Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski from paulkuharski.com. Mention my name three times, fulfilling all my obligations. This is the Egan, Minnesota edition. Uh, I tried to find a great setup to show you the background to get good lighting, and it proved impossible. But right in front of me here is uh, a turf stadium that the Vikings use, I guess, periodically. It's one that the Titans have just walked across uh, from a locker room behind me in this stadium. They walked across this to go to the four grass practice fields here that the Vikings use, and that's where they've held joint practices for two days. Uh, I'm recording after the second of those two practices and before the Titans have a day off here to get ready for Saturday's preseason game at U.S. Bank Stadium in nearby Minneapolis. Lots to talk about as the Titans get ready for that game. Coming off of these two days of practice, so let's dive right in. want to talk about the, all the takeaways from those two days of joint practices, about the injuries to Traylon Burks and Will Levis, and about referees at a practice, uh, at practices like this. I'm brought to you by Jaspers. Um, joint practice takeaways. Let's start with the offense and what the Titans did here in Egan on, on offense. They had trouble running the ball, which, um, you know, maybe partly about their offensive line, uh, maybe partly, you know, you're going full speed, but you're still not being tackled. So I don't know how much you see the whole thing all the way, but I think Minnesota's got a pretty good run defense. Um, I think it's better than what Chicago had in preseason game number one for sure, and they just weren't able to find much room. I watched the offense closely, closely on uh, the first day, on Wednesday. I was primarily with the defense on uh, Thursday, but then at the end of practice, um, they were all together. It was, you know, um, just, just one Titans offense against Minnesota's defense. And then either the ball got turned over or the script flipped and it went the other way. <clears throat> I wouldn't say to, to panic about the Titans uh, rushing game, but I'd say the Titans rushing game isn't automatic um, at this stage at all. Minnesota was only 20th against the run last year, but the Vikings did very well at getting numbers to the ball against Derrick Henry and against Ty J Spears. Um, so uh, that that's something the Titans are going to have to work on here. Mike Frabel said it was healthy for them to see um, different fronts, different uh, blitzes against the run, um, which obviously they hadn't schemed for and are things that they will see come up as the year goes on. You can expect them to be obviously better prepared for those things than they were um, for them in these practices. But um, in terms of just powering people off the ball um, and figuring out the numbers and stuff, I think Spears and Henry each had uh, one run that looked like it would be, you know, a, a good game um, in that first practice, but they were bottled up a great deal of the time by uh, good numbers. Passing offense-wise, they battled the wind the first day. It was over 20 miles an hour. Second day, it was more like uh, 12 or 10. It was less of a big deal. 
I wrote a piece about the anatomy of the the one-on-one passing game the first day, which was filmable. Uh, The second day, it was not filmable. Red zone in the second day. First day um, was not red zone. And the first day was very poor. Um, Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis uh, did the throwing. Will Levis was, was separate. Um, they were a combined 13 of 29, which is not good. Obviously, five overthrows, four underthrows, three passes defensed, three drops. Hopkins had a very nice back shoulder win to start things off for Tannehill. Chigakonkwo had a, a nice win against Harrison Smith. And Malik Willis got back-to-back pass interference calls. Um, from from the officials on site, so it wasn't all bad by any means, but um, you know that's a low rate when the quarterback is thrown to the receiver, knowing where the receiver is going to be. The defender is reacting strictly to that, knows he has no help. Um, generally, the completion rate of things like that is high. Again, the wind was a big factor; they were throwing against the wind the whole time. Um, Ryan Tannehill later said it was a three club wind. I found Will Levis later when he was signing autographs, talked to him for a minute. He said it was a two club win. So I think that's interesting just, uh, how they each game gauge their arm strength, um, as to, to, uh, the older guy saying it's three club win, the younger guy who's, who's got a stronger arm thinking it was a, a two club win. Um, Overall, on that day, I didn't think the offense moved the ball super effectively until the two-minute drill period at the end where there was some more rhythm um, and some more consistency overall. Uh, And they still need to polish the finishing of those two-minute drives. Uh, You know, um, Tannehill left them, say, with a – a 53-yard field goal. Caleb Shudak's probably not hitting that in general. He's certainly not hitting it, given the wind conditions here. Um, they had spot plays before the two-minute drive, but they were inconsistent. You know, there's one uh, Minnesota. I'm calling a Minnesota maniac who uh, took a lot of video from the from the crowd and said that the, the Wednesday practice was a total embarrassment for, for the Vikings who got lit up by the Titans. And then he, he used two clips. Colton Dow had a deep completion on a busted coverage, and Traylon Burks had a big completion on the play on which he got hurt, which we'll talk about. Well, those were the Titans' two big pass, pass plays of the day, you know, a busted coverage and, and one of their two best receivers making a big play downfield. Um, and by the way, the um, – the one to Burks was actually with the wind um, at Tannehill's back. But I don't think you could look at those two plays. I mean, this was selective editing by, uh, you know, a fan reporter. I don't even want to call him that. A a fan who's got, you know, some kind of following, I guess, who sits in the stands and films illegally and sends things out. But uh, it's a huge overreaction. Titans did not have a big offensive day on Wednesday. Um, I will say overall that um, I think Malik Willis continues to grow, particularly in the two-minute drill. But, I mean, he is 
continuing to progress, progress. I have to give him credit. I did not foresee uh, his improvement at this level and at this pace, considering where he's coming from, from last year. It's impressive what he's doing. I think he remains in the lead for, for number two. He continues to get the number two reps and work with the, the second-level offensive players, which is a better situation to be in. Those guys are obviously a notch better, uh, not necessarily on the offensive line, where I think the pickings are slim for, for the second-tier guys. But he gets, you know, some of the ones slip down into those twos sometimes. He's working with better people than Will Levis. And I like him in the two-minute drills, though he doesn't always finish what he starts. Uh, he gets out there and he'll hit, you know, four or five plays in a row and get that rhythm going. And the Titans generally, the offense has looked good in two-minute uh, has been good in two minutes. And I think Levis picks up where Tannehill leaves off for, for Levis, the place that he's uh, been making an impression on me is in the red zone. Uh, and it's a little counterintuitive because the, the one of the will Levis issues, and I, I was on board with this issue from, from college. I was concerned about his decision-making. And in the red zone, you're forced to make some, some quick snap reads and decisions. And he's been good at that. And then I think, you know, the quick release serves those decisions well. So if you're in the red zone, a tighter area, there's less space to work with. You've got to make the decision quickly. But then once you make the decision quickly, if that ball comes out of your hand fast and it does with um, – with Will Levis, uh, I think it serves him well. And I've been impressed at what Will Levis has done in the red zone. That's the, that's the area of the field I think he's excelled. So I think Willis and Levis have been shining situationally, uh, which I think is a good, good sign, you know, uh, cordon off an area for them. And, uh, you know, if they're excelling in that smaller area, that's a good thing for them. Not that they're not growing in the overall offense, but also, you know, I think the um, Vrabel has said red zone's 20%. Uh, they want it to be more, obviously, but if you're excelling at that 20% or whatever percentage two-minute is, that's a good starting spot. And it's not to say that they're not doing well in other areas, but uh, I've been impressed with what they've done in uh, in those areas defensively i heard a lot of good things about what they did on wednesday i did not see much of it for myself until they got into the two-minute drill when they had two quick takeaways uh second play uh roger mccreary read a route very well it's something that he saw of what they do out of the slot that he found predictable and he picked off Kirk Cousins and got the ball back for the Titans right away. Bam. And then um, you know, Titans offense did their thing. When Minnesota got the ball back, um, Rashad Weaver put pass pressure on, um, on the quarterback. He then threw a pass. Uh, I think it was Mullins. Threw a pass. I think it was tipped by McClendon. And Weaver, who had continued kind of circle the pocket, 
picked it out of the air. So they get two quick turnovers there in two-minute drives that got the Titans the ball back for them to continue their offensive two-minute drive work. So uh, that was really encouraging. I heard that. But then um, I talked to Arden Key when he came off the field after the second practice where I watched the defense and thought there were just so many good things going on. Um, and, and Arden Key's an outspoken guy, and he put it into better words than I could. He said, we had a good day Wednesday, but it wasn't up to our standards. The coaches got on our ass a little bit. Some of the players got on our ass a little bit. Today, we whooped their ass. Um, the players got on our ass a little bit. I, I'm sure one of those players was Jeffrey Simmons because he also talked about how um, they didn't live up to their standard on Wednesday. High standard, uh, obviously, for them. But um, you know, Arden Key went on to say the run game for Minnesota, it was non-existent. And uh, I thought that was the case. Alexander Madison and his backups just consistently found no room. Initial Titan or two would slow up the running back. Everybody would swarm. There was just nothing to be found there for Minnesota. The Titans, obviously, a very good run defense um, last year and uh, and recently. And um, Minnesota was having no luck against them. Christian Fulton uh, had a fine couple of days uh, with several snaps against Justin Jefferson. Um, one play I saw Jefferson made was just not defensible. You're going to see plays like that from a receiver of Jefferson's caliber, maybe the best receiver in the NFL. So I wasn't hugely surprised by that. But um, I think Fulton and the DBs overall were very solid. I think the pass rush was uh, uh, virtually constant. Um, a consistent problem for Cousins and, uh, and, and his backup. And there were all kind of chip-in efforts, really, from, from all kinds of people here. Um, <clears throat> I saw Chance Campbell. There was a play where kind of a receiver in Madison crisscrossed in, in motion um, or, or in the motion right after the snap. Madison ended up outside coming up the sideline. It turned out to be an inside handoff, but I think there was time there for the quarterback to peek at, at the running back and throw it if he wanted to. And Chance Campbell did a very good job of picking up that running back and playing him tight to take him out of the play as an option. Um, Kevin Byard had a nice blitz from the left side that probably would have resulted in a sack. The play went on. However, um, Elijah Molden um, had kind of a weaving, started maybe a little bit to the right of center and gradually weaved himself in um, up, up the middle. Uh, that may have been a sack. It certainly forced a fast pass that was a check down over the middle that didn't result in much yardage. Um, I, I thought those were both significant plays. Molden ended up leaving practice early, injured. No specifics on that. We'll get back to that a little bit later. Um, Autry, Danico Autry, who did not play uh, 
a great deal of snaps early on when there were uh, three linemen on the field um, came on the field. Uh, I was kind of paying attention to his absence when I saw him emerge and he immediately uh, in a play that all of a sudden, like it was kind of cartoonish as I saw him take on Christian Darasaw and just power uh, bull rush him backwards into the backfield very quickly. It was kind of like cartoonishly in my head, Danico Autry got bigger. I, I was standing uh, in the end zone behind the play to the right a little bit, kind of almost directly behind Autry. They were maybe at the 30-yard line, though, or the 25. But uh, because I was kind of focused on Autry at the moment, just coincidentally, as he made this play, he kind of just exploded into my vision, and I saw him kind of grow as he swallowed Darasaw and took him into the backfield. Um, I wonder about Autry's snaps. Uh, I wonder about Tart's snaps. Tier Tart got himself taken out of practice because he threw a punch uh, at Garrett Bradbury, which is a stupid thing to do. It's going to be it, it's going to be frustrating for Tier Tart, who you know everybody's asked about what kind of uh, opportunity he'll get to rush the passer. Uh, Terrell Williams has said. We'll always find snaps for a guy who could rush the passer. But the fact of the matter is Simmons, Autry, Key, and Landry are going to be on the field for most of the prime pass rushing snaps. Tart, you know, Vrabel has talked about still needs to do some work to continue to develop those pass rush moves and snaps. And the Titans, you know, in a lot of series started out in nickel right away. Uh, against the Vikings. Now that's dictated by the Vikings personnel, but a lot of personnel is heading that direction. If the Titans need to be smaller, quicker, and more coverage centric, then, um, you know, Tier Tart isn't going to have that, that many snaps, you know, clear cut rundowns and run opportunities and, and run personnel. You'd certainly like him out there, but I, I don't know what kind of snap share Tier Tart's going to get based on the kind of personnel that people throw at, at the Titans. I am brought to you by Jasper's, a fine, fine establishment on West End Avenue in Nashville. I can't recommend it highly enough. First off, you pull up and, and you've got free parking. You know, Free parking in the downtown Midtown area of Nashville is a, a super luxury. So you start off right there. You're not out any money for pulling in and wanting to eat or drink there. Great menu, great cocktails, great beer on tap, uh, free game room so you can order up and then head in and play some Papa Shots, some uh, air hockey, uh, a variety of games in there that, that are a blast. You can take your family for a family night. You can take your spouse or your date for a date night, you could go have a business lunch. You could go sit at the bar listening to a podcast or um, getting some, some reading done. Um, it's, it's just a great setting that is very flexible, uh, positionally versatile, if you will, like the Titans want a lot of their players to be. Can't recommend it highly enough. Jasper's on West End in Nashville. Check it out. I'd start with the bolognese or the Cuban sandwich if you haven't been there. If you have taken my recommendation and been there and tried both of those dishes, 
expand your horizon and let me know what I should be expanding to because I order the same things at my favorite restaurants all of the time. Jasper's on West End in Nashville. Check them out. Need to get to the injuries of note here. Traylon Burks made a great catch, really reached out for it, and then went into an extended stumble that took him to the ground where he rolled over, got up, he bounced up, he limped, he leaned on a teammate, he limped, he placed the ball on the ground. Um, he never put any weight on it. The report comes up, uh, you know, the twos and the threes kept practicing, <coughs> but things stopped for a lot of people. You know, every reporter that was there stopped paying attention to, to the plays and had all their eyes on, on Burks and the medical staff taking care of Burks and Ryan Tannehill coming over and helping him to the cart and DeAndre Hopkins offering some encouragement and Derek Henry offering some encouragement. And then things kind of went into, into slow motion. You know, the soundtrack right there was just uh, the wind whipping the cords on the flagpole, ding, ding, ding against the flagpole. Um, and there's a lot of suspense during the day while everybody waited for a report. A lot of us trying to get some information. I was unsuccessful. A lot of people were unsuccessful until Ian Rappaport came out that the MRI revealed a LCL sprain, which is a really good case scenario for the Titans. Mike Vrabel, uh, after, after practice Thursday, called it a best-case scenario. No structural damage, said it wouldn't be a long-term thing. Some medical people on Twitter, some who are credible, some who are not. I've seen a lot of four- to six-week estimates. A six-week time frame from now would take them maybe to week three, week four. Week four's Cincinnati uh, home game, which is a big one. Look, you, you lose, the Titans lose a huge dynamic with Traylon Burks off the field. The drop-off from Traylon Burks to Chris Moore, the most likely guy to replace him uh, in in an outside receiver position is significant, though Chris Moore is capable. He's he's not as threatening. Uh, I think that you'll see that we'll see Kyle Phillips outside some. We saw Kyle Phillips outside some in this first practice without uh, Traylon Burks, which is which is interesting. And it wasn't just outside motioning to inside or outside ending up in the places he'd end up from inside. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And that's a, a curious situation. Um, but certainly uh, holding everyone's breath for news that he's not out for the season was a big deal. You want now for him to get the rest and the rehabilitation that he needs and not to do anything on that knee as he begins his comeback, whenever that is, that leads him to do further damage to it um, and, and cost himself more time or more problems. Will Levis, this was very interesting. Um, you know, it's kind of a cluster at the end of practice there. And the way things have gone, we weren't necessarily expecting that the third string quarterback would have gotten any kind of reps in that two minute drill. So we didn't feel like, he was missing. Nobody was looking for him or asking about him. 
But in fielding a question about Will Levis's overall performance or snap count um, after after the second practice, Mike Vrabel said, "Yeah, he was taken in. Otherwise, he would have gotten some snaps there that would have evened him out with Malik Willis." And uh, you know, I asked for clarity that he was taken in by by the trainers for for an injury, and that was the case did a little bit of reporting afterwards and the best I was able to find out was that it's a lower body injury. So we're now reporting injuries as if we're covering the NHL, but we know it's not uh, an arm, a head, a neck, a torso, whatever, you know, all the pieces of the body that are above the waist and you know, all the pieces of the body that are below the waist. So, um, you know, likely a, uh, some sort of leg injury. Um, but we don't know, you know, he said, we'll see what happens uh, as to whether he can play on Saturday. It would be a shame if he's unable to play on Saturday because that would then throw him off course in his battle with uh, Malik Willis in terms of fighting to be Ryan Tannehill's backup. And you would like to see them stay roughly, you know, in contact in terms of how much work they're getting. And I would, have presume, I would presume, and I think most people, that Will Levis would have got, gone first. I think the Titans probably would have continued to flip-flop the series, uh, putting these guys in backup-like situations where you could come in the game at any time, which was part of the flip-flopping scenario, um, and also gets them kind of an equal number of reps with the, with the ones who play. The offensive line played the, the first series against Chicago. So Levis maybe would have gotten a series or two with the starting offensive line um, and then flip-flopping, you know, would have evened out through two games. Now with Levis in jeopardy, you know, the odds are that that, that Malik Willis gets this entire game. I don't think we'll see Ryan Tannehill, who hasn't played in the preseason in some time uh, since pre-COVID. And so – That'll be a disappointment, and it'd be hard for Will Levis not to fall behind to some extent. You hope it's a minor thing. Seems like you know. I I don't know. I, I don't want. I don't want to guess, but uh, you know, you hope that he could play Saturday. That it's not a big deal. Um, and another injury that cropped up: Elijah Molden uh, fell out of this practice second practice against the Vikings. Molden has, you know, been playing safety, nickel. He's even the dime linebacker, which is kind of an ideal spot for him. Uh, A versatile chess piece for the Titans. Not super fast, but generally super smart. Not going to be a vertical guy, but can be a, a, a very good horizontal piece. Um, and somebody the Titans would hate to be without. He missed all but a couple or three games last year with his groin problem. I certainly hope it's not that that's resurfaced, but uh, whatever it is, forced him out of practice today. I wouldn't expect to see him um, Saturday now and uh, don't know how much of an update or what kind of an update we'll get on him or when but that's somebody to keep an eye out and then look to see uh, what defensive back McCreary probably doesn't play. 
So who's your opening nickel? Is it Trey Avery? And where do they go from there in this game um, against Minnesota with the nickel dime kind of people? Shy Carter uh, probably gets some of that opportunity for sure. Wanted to finish with this kind of idea of secret officiating that goes on at these joint practices. Um, particularly at the two-minute drills at the end of both of these sessions. Um, you know, there's an officiating crew out there, and they're throwing flags. There was a PA against Joe Juan uh, Williams, uh, the Vanderbilt kid, on NWI. That's a self-explanatory flag, and that's fine. But then Lucky Jackson uh, goes up in the end zone to try to make a catch for the Vikings. He's sandwiched by two Titans um, and our view is blocked. My view was blocked anyway behind a, a scoreboard. And there's a three-man discussion in the end zone. Here we go. Just like the regular season, this is uh, a few minutes that three, three people of the crew are discussing what went on right in front of them, right there. Uh, the referee comes over to get involved. It's terrible that, that, that they need this kind of time. But the referee comes out, and at least he gives a definitive signal, a personal foul against the Titans. So there's some clarity there. And then there's another flag, a defensive pass interference. It's easy to presume what that call is, but they do not make the pass interference signal. They don't make the signals. Then Malik Willis throws a wobbly deep ball on the first play of a Titans possession, a wobbly deep ball to Chris Moore down the left side of the field who would have set the Titans up inside the 10-yard line. And they bring it back. Nobody has any idea why. There's 6,000 fans roughly at this practice. I'm standing with 12 or probably 12 media members, not the TV folks who are near their cameras, which are in different positions. But I'm with 12, quote-unquote, print reporters probably six, six of us, I, I'm one of 12, say, six Titans people and six Vikings people. None of us know what it is. None of us have a hint of what it is. Nobody saw, uh, you know, a procedure or a hold or anything. Now, why at an open training camp practice do you want secretive officiating? I understand there's verbal stuff going on there and Vrabel and O'Connell are, are talking to officials and it's communicated to them. But here's another stupid NFL officiating thing that goes on. Why wouldn't they make a very clear signal? Because there are fans there, the Vikings fans, the adults have paid $5 to come. The kids come for free, but you got moms and dads who are explaining things to kids who are watching and want to talk them through and they can't explain it to them because they don't know. You got people like me who want to be able to, to convey to you what went on, and we don't know. And you got officials we hear time and time again, well, it's preseason for the officials too. Well, why wouldn't the officials want to practice making their motions or whatever? Like, it makes no sense that the league wouldn't tell their officials to carry themselves through the entire practice as they would in a game, which includes, you know, for the referee – I would think, you know, he doesn't have a battery pack and a, and, a, and a microphone, but he should act as if he does. Go to face the camera you would be talking to and make the gesture and make the call. 
Uh, it makes no sense to me that you don't do that. It's infuriating. And if I'm a fan there, I, I would be telling the Vikings, hey, why aren't the officials making the signal to allow us to discuss in the crowd where we've paid money to come and see you practice? Why can't we get some semblance of the clarity we would get at a preseason game or a game? So uh, that goes on to be one more play there. Time expires on, on a play where Malik is, uh, you know, needs to force a ball into the end zone. Andrew Booth Jr. picks, picks him off in the end zone as time expires. And this guy who's trying to make the Vikings roster very unwisely fires the ball in celebration into the Titans' sideline in celebration. And he draws unsports, what clearly, again, our interpretation is an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. But it's a dead ball foul after time has expired. And so there's no benefit to the Titans. Uh, and while the guy surely would have gotten a fine uh, and it might hurt his ability to make the Vikings roster, Titans have no repercussions there with time expired. Um, so it was easy for us to interpret that call. Uh, but again, the officials could have done better conveying it to everybody that was in attendance. My thanks to the Vikings for being uh, nice hosts here for to Titans uh, PR and officials for facilitating things to make it uh, as easy as it could be um, in a spread out environment where there's a lot of uh, travel involved for the Titans. Uh, always fun to see these joint practices and look forward to a couple more days next week in Nashville uh, with the Titans and and the Patriots. My thanks to Jaspers for sponsoring me. Uh, I urge you, if you're not a member of paulkuherski.com, training camp sale going on right now. You can't get a better deal. And if, uh, if my site's not a part of the puzzle of things that you read, view, and listen to regarding uh, the Titans, you're missing, I would say, a significant piece so why don't you go and correct that mistake right now. In the meantime, everybody, I urge you, don't block the box. And please, please be sure to lock your locks.